Okay. All right. Hear the word of God from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this on page 950 in your pew Bible. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, by the power of work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can all ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Sam. could turn this off if I need to. Good. Okay. So, uh, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. And last weekend, I had the privilege of going up to North Florida to officiate at the wedding of one of my nieces up near Jacksonville. It was a beautiful outside wedding at the beach. And as with most couples, the passage that they asked me to reflect on came from one of Paul's epistles. But many couples actually choose the text that Allison just read for us because it's a great text. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you're being rooted and grounded in love. It's a lovely image for a couple about to pledge their life of faithfulness to one another in plenty and want, joy and sorrow. And it's also a beautiful image for us as individuals And as the writer of Ephesians intended it, for us together, for our collective witness as the church, to speak truth, to share hope, and more importantly, love. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Do most of you probably were here, but I imagine you remember last September when the winds of Hurricane Irma blew through our state, yes? Well, there was a tree in our neighborhood, a big tree that was totally uprooted and exposed for all to see were the intricacies of the root system as it came up. It was just as expansive and complex underground as the branches were above ground that used to tower above the treetops. And that tree reminded me of the power of this text, rooted and grounded. French philosopher and Christian mystic Simone Weil said this, to be rooted, to be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. Uprootedness is by far the most dangerous malady to which human societies are exposed to be rooted to have a strong and dependable system that provides nourishment, to be grounded, sure of who you are and what life is about, this is indeed one of the most important needs of the human soul. So how is it with your soul? 
today? Are you feeling uprooted by the winds of change? Are you feeling strong and rooted by God's powerful love? Do you feel you have a dependable system that provides nourishment and you're able to experience the grounding of God's grace? Because, my friends, it is real, and we want you to experience it. If you've been in worship over the past few weeks, you might remember that we are pondering how the early Christians at Ephesus, converts and newcomers to faith in God, responded to the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus is a letter to this newly planted Christian community. As Gentiles, at one time, they were strangers to the promises of God. But now, because of Christ's resurrection, they have been called and chosen, welcomed, received, and included as God's own. As non-Jews, as Gentiles, the Ephesians were, would have been considered complete outsiders to the faith. But now, by the power of the resurrection, they're united in one body, in and for the, the world. This God, whom they and we meet in Jesus Christ, this God is the namesake of every human family. There is no nation, no clan, no family, no person who is beyond the love of God. Now, that is hard to envision sometimes. It is hard to imagine the incredible reach of God's love. It is far beyond all that we can imagine or think. We try so very hard sometimes to put God into our human-sized boxes and ideas, but God is bigger, far bigger than all we can think or imagine. God's love is mind-blowing, and it is beyond the limits or the realm of mathematics. And you know what else? This is good news it was good news for those Ephesians, and it's good news for us. Today, our reading is at the center of the book of Ephesians, the center and heart of the letter, in the form of a prayer for the early church. I'm so glad you're here today. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. It speaks life and hope, truth and reconciliation, salvation and forgiveness. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you, O Lord, as you continue to plant us deep into the rich soil of hope. Amen. So as I mentioned, I went to Jacksonville Beach to celebrate love and to officiate a wedding last weekend, but it was also just happened to be the Saturday for the memorial service of a dear friend and mentor of mine, Reverend Dr. Jack Swan. Ironically, he was the one of the two clergy who officiated at Clarkson my wedding 29 years ago. I was reminded of how freely he shared love with anyone he would meet and grateful for the way he nurtured my faith. At, after the memorial service, I realized that I had quite a few hours between the memorial service and the wedding, so I took a short drive to the old neighborhood where I grew up and took a long stroll down memory lane where the beginnings of my faith journey took root. Yes, I rode by the house that all seven Campbells had lived in together. It's been remodeled twice, so it hardly looks the same, but the southeast corner window 
was my bedroom. It was still there. And then I slowly drove down the street where I could name just about everybody on the street because my brother Scott had a paper route and he co-opted his younger sister to help him out. Not exactly for equal pay, I want to just mention. (laughs) Just saying, it starts early. Afterwards, I parked the car in front of the home, the smaller home that my parents and I moved into after my four siblings moved out. And there I saw the continuation of the care that my mother had started in those flower beds years ago. They were still rooted and grounded, still beautiful after all these years. And from there, I went to the elementary school. Oh, that was a kick. I remember the first day I was ever on Facebook, and a childhood friend saw me on Facebook, and he wrote, Sally Campbell? Is that you? The bully from the fifth grade bike rack? It's like, I saw those bike racks, thought about Mike. I wasn't a bully. He was joking, I'm sure. But next door to the elementary school was the small white church where I grew up. And it was in this church that I gained an understanding of God's amazing and boundless love for me and for all people everywhere. And as we say in our baptismal vows, this was the church that nurtured my faith. This was the church that surrounded me with a community of love and forgiveness. Thank goodness. And they welcomed me into the household of God and invited me to join them in the ministry of Christ in the world. Needless to say, floods of memories came upon me as I walked around the church building. This was the community that had baptized me, had nurtured my call to serve through local missions, supported and prayed for me when I went off as a mission volunteer, And when I felt called to explore ordained ministry, they were the first ones to cheer me on. Like that newly planted church at Ephesus, they were a living example of Paul's prayer for me. It was like I could hear them saying through the years, we pray that Christ will dwell in your heart. We pray that you will know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And I'm so grateful for Paul's witness to the church at Ephesus, and I'm so grateful for the witness of this community in North Florida. But I'm also well aware that many of us do not have a strong and supportive church family behind us throughout our lives. But it is our hope here at Hyde Park that you would come to know that love, you would feel that love, and you would be empowered to receive it, and then to share it, to pray for others, to help make God's love real in this world. Now, for just a moment, I want us to imagine that we are a new Christian, and we are hearing this prayer that Paul is saying. And as you begin to pray this prayer with Paul, you realize that the call of the church brings with it some responsibility as well. My friend Agnes, we were in seminary together, she put it this way. The love of God that welcomes us into the fold, it also commissions us to love. So think about it. The stories that were being shared about Jesus by the early church 
were stories of an open and generous-hearted man. Jesus literally embodied the love of God. He showed forth compassionate love. He touched the suffering of a paralyzed man. He helped heal a stooped-over woman. He had compassion on the man born blind. His heart ached by the one who was so in bondage to his material possessions that he could not see or serve the poor. He forgave the woman caught in adultery because he longed to set her free. And Jesus' love persisted in spite of the blunders and betrayals of his friends. Yes, his love endured despite the fact that he was nailed to a cross between two thieves. These are the stories they were hearing, and these are our stories as well. And so, if we are also rooted and grounded in Christ's love, then we too must reach out with that same kind of tender, generous, compassionate love for others. In a way, we become for one another what Jesus is for us, one who restores and nourishes, one who forgives empowers and challenges. For Jews who were following Jesus, the idea of loving God and loving neighbor was an essential part of their faith story. The call to welcome the stranger had been proclaimed in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. It was in the Torah. When the foreigner lives with you in your land, don't take advantage of him. Treat the foreigner the same as a native. Love him like one of your own. For remember, you once were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The idea of identifying God as love was a brand new idea, a new understanding for those early Christians, causing Tertullian, that old church historian, to write, See how they love one another. Truly, friends, if the early church had any possibility of taking root amidst such horrible persecution, then love was the answer, a love that was deeply rooted and grounded, a love that would bind people together as one family of faith, even in the midst of differences and conflict, a love for fellow Christians in all their complex diversity, a love that could reach out in every direction imaginable a love for widows and orphans and children, a love for the poor and outcast, a love for the creation, a love for strangers and immigrants who come from a different territory, no matter their faith tradition. Love for Jesus Christ made manifest in loving every kind of person, every kind that he himself had loved and healed and touched and forgiven. Yes, that's the kind of love that is possible when we are rooted and grounded, open and available to God's love. Just like at Ephesus, the power of the living God is in our midst and calls us together to build this kind of unity. Even in spite of our differences, Christians can disagree with love. Amen? Amen. (laughs) And then that love sends us into the world into the community to do the work, the hard, challenging, life-changing work of Jesus. God's love cannot be controlled or held. It is limitless, broad and high, deep and strong and long. It cannot be contained, and it is available for all of us.
This is one of the reasons I believe we come to church week after week, to be reminded of this truth. We come to hear the story of God's love because hearing the story just once is not enough. We come because we experience brokenness in our lives, broken dreams, turmoil, and disruption. We come searching for hope and love, trying to make sense of tragedy and to find meaning in the ordinary, to hear the call to something that's larger and lovelier and more meaningful. And so we come longing to be transplanted into the soil that will enable us to grow and thrive. We are all on a lifelong journey of faith, a lifelong journey of finding our story within God's story. And it is there, my friend. God holds your story precious. You're part of the ongoing story. It's available. Sometimes, though, we have to search for it. Sometimes we have to wait for it. But it's there. And we will do our best to remind you of that. Well, very recently, McGray shared a story with me that I would like to end with. It comes um, from a woman named Auburn Sanborn. She's a writing professor in Ohio. And this is the recount, her recounting of a true story in her own life of her self-destructive behavior. She grew up in a family of privilege. Everything was on course for her to make a great success of herself. But she squandered it and made poor choices and had unhealthy relationships, and she found herself one day curled up in a fetal position, lying on the carpet in 1992, reaching for a little slip of paper. She was suffering from drug and alcohol addiction withdrawal, and in the next room was her baby boy, who was covered in chocolate and candy. She had given to him lots of it, to distract him away from what was going on with her. But that slip of paper she held in her hand, it contained a phone number that had been given to her maybe three or four years ago by her mother. Her mother said, look, this is the number of a Christian counselor. And since you can't talk to anybody else, maybe, just maybe, you can talk to him. This paper was now nearly shredded and worn, hardly recognizable, but it was a pinhole. It was the possibility of love. So this is how she shares her story. Now, I just want to acknowledge that I wasn't hanging on real tight here to any sort of healthy living, but I was so anxious and so desperate, I was needing to make this call. I was emaciated and covered with bruises. So I punched in the numbers on the phone, and this man said, Hello. Hi, I said. I got this number from my mother, and she thought maybe we could talk. And she said, I heard him shuffling in the bed, like moving around, pulling covers up over. I heard the radio click off in the background, and he said, Yes, yes, what's going on? She told him things that she hadn't told anybody, even herself, for a very long time. She told him she wasn't feeling well and that she was scared and that things had gotten pretty bad in her marriage. Before long, she was telling him other truths about her drug problem. And she said, I really, really, really love my husband, but, and I don't want anything bad to happen to him and say anything bad about him, but he has hit me a few times. And there was that time when he pushed my child and I outside in the cold and slammed the door behind us. 
and that other time they tried, that he tried to push us out of a car traveling 60 miles an hour. I started telling these truths. And the man didn't judge me. He just sat there, and he was present, and he listened, and he listened with such kindness and gentleness, and he said, tell me more. Oh, that must have been very painful. Oh, that must hurt. And you know what? I made that call at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he stayed with me on the phone the whole night, talking and listening until the sun rose. And by then, I was starting to feel calm And the raw panic had passed, and I was feeling okay, and I was feeling like I can splash some water on my face today and go out and greet the world. Now, I wouldn't have cared if this guy was a Hare Krishna or a Buddhist. It didn't matter what his faith was. I just knew that I was so grateful for him. Hey, you know what, I said. I really appreciate all that you've done for me tonight. Now, aren't you supposed to, like, give me some Bible verses to read or... Because, I mean, that'd be cool, and I'll do it if you do. I mean, it'd be all right. And he laughed, and he said, well, I'm glad I was helpful. And then we talked some more, and then she said, no, really, you have been very good at this. And I mean, seriously, it's it's not a big thing since you are a Christian counselor. You can give me some homework. And there was a long pause, and the man said, Auburn, please don't hang up. But there's something I've really been trying to tell you. And she said... What? I won't hang up. What I'm trying to tell you is I'm afraid that the number you dialed, it was the wrong number. I didn't hang up on him. And we did talk longer. And I never once got his name or never again called him back. But the next day, I felt a kind of joy, like I was shining. I think I heard them call it the peace that passes all understanding. I had gotten to see that there was a completely random love in the universe, and it could be unconditional, and that some of that love was even for me. And I can't tell you that I got my life totally back together after that phone call, but it became possible to get some help and get the hell out And it also became possible for this teetotaling, semi-sane, single parent to raise a precious chocolate candy-covered boy into a magnificent young scholar, an athlete, who graduated from Princeton with honors in 2013. This is what I know. In the deepest, blackest night of despair, If you can just get one pinhole of light, all grace rushes in. As Paul says, I pray for you. I pray for Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you will have the power to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length, height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Let us pray. Oh, sweet Jesus, thank you for those gifts of your grace that touch us when we need it and remind us of your love, your love not just for us but for all creation. Help us live in that love and share it in the world. 
we pray. Amen.